Good morning, Riverside. How are you doing this morning? Let's try it again. Good morning, Riverside. How are you doing this morning? Yes, uh, fun to have you in-house. Welcome to you, those uh, that are joining us online. If you want to go ahead and grab your Bibles, we are going to be over in 2 Timothy this morning. Uh, grab your Bibles, go to the, end of the back of the Bible, flip a couple books to your left is the easiest way to find it. Or you can go uh, to our version and follow along with me this morning. So let me give you a little context about where we're going to be diving into our scripture this morning. Um, when I, uh, what, what I, my hope for you this morning is, if you are asked about, like, what is Second Timothy about, uh, about, I want you to feel like I can palm Second Timothy. I understand. I have my arms around. I can grab the concept of what is going on in Second Timothy. And so I want to set that page for us this morning. So the highest spiritual authority on planet Earth at this time is Paul. And Paul has found a spiritual son in young Timothy. And Timothy is a young man that has everything stacked against him. When you just kind of look at the trajectory of his life and where his life has taken him, we would say that there are lots of things that are coming against young Timothy. And yet Paul finds a spiritual son in him. And this is kind of at the latter half of Paul's kind of public ministry, and Paul's philosophy up until this point has been going into regions, the most strategic region in the area, and planting churches, and Paul plants church after church after church, but there is this shift that's beginning to happen that you will see in 2 Timothy where Paul moves away, he pivots from planting church after church after church to building disciple after disciple after disciple. And what he finds in young Timothy is a disciple that's not, by all standards, the prettiest, the one with the right credentials, the one that has everything going for him, but he's found the one that the Lord has an anointing on. And so Paul is passing down uh, this discipleship to young Timothy. Paul has gone into the region of Ephesus and plant Ephesus. I love how Jason Bishop said it a couple weeks a couple weeks ago. Is when you think of Ephesus, think of Cancun meets Las Vegas. It is this epicenter of a wild life, and Paul has strategically gone into Ephesus and planted a church in the region. And if this church fails, the case for Christ in this region is probably completely lost. And Paul is now turning over the reins to young Timothy. And so that's the context of what Second, First and Second Timothy is about, is about encouraging words from a father to a son about how to build disciples when the culture is pushing against you. Do you think it has anything to do with today? Beautiful. So this morning, before we jump into our scripture about where we're gonna where we're gonna be following this morning, please please don't make fun of me. But I, I brought a couple of photos I want to show you. Now these photos are in increments of about ten years uh, apart, and so I want to show you the first one. Um, that is me over there on the left. 
uh, with the, I think COVID was going on back then, because I'm like, Mom, could we not get a haircut at the time? But do you see the curly locks over on the left-hand side? I'm like, Mom, it's really embarrassing. Look, look at the sweater I'm wearing. Uh, that's with my two sisters. And then you fast forward another 10 years down the road, and that is my senior graduation photo, uh, 10 years down the road. And then if you fast forward another 10 years, uh, this was my first probably month here at Riverside. This was when I was maybe uh, 29, 30 years old, and that was the, one of the first outings that I ever did, and we went paintballing with students. And then if you fast forward another 10 years, you will see me and my wife. This is our, uh, this is your pastor with the creepy mustache, and uh, this was our staff Christmas party uh, two years ago. And uh, if you just take and you consider like those photos in succession, you can, can you, yeah, take it off, it's embarrassing, <laughs> but you can, you can see that there was a path that my life was heading in. Those pictures are telling a story of where, of what direction I'm running in, and as powerful as that is, to look back at the course of my life and see the path that I have walking in. What is more profound for you and for I to consider this morning is not us looking back, but what does it mean for us to look forward? Because the truth is, in 10 more years, I'm going to be somewhere. And the question I want you to consider this morning is, is when you think about years from now, where is the somewhere that you're going to be? And maybe the even more important question for you to consider this morning is not where are you going to be, but who are you becoming? Because as followers of Jesus Christ, there is a specific call and anointing on your life to be about one thing and one thing only. And that is for us to take on and host the image and bear the image of Jesus Christ in our lives. That you and I have a single focus and the direction that we are running in is only about one thing and that is Jesus. And there's a lot of us, me included, that get distracted by a lot of other really good things that life has to offer, and we settle for something that we never should have settled for. And this morning, Paul is going to be imploring young Timothy that is part of discipleship, is you've got to run, Timothy, and you have to run after the only thing in this life that matters, and that is the image of Jesus Christ burying itself in your life. And so this morning, we're going to be jumping into 2 Timothy chapter 2 this morning. We only got, listen, we got two verses this morning. And so uh, follow right along with me this morning, uh, and I'll jump into it for us. And so I'll read it. It says this, 2 Timothy 2 verse 20, in a large house, there are articles of not only gold and silver, like the really important things in your house. You and I have those things that are really valuable in our house, but we also have wood and clay, things that are less valuable, things that are less important for us. Some are for special purposes, and some are for common use. Next slide. Therefore, if anyone, now here's what I want you to do. If you're taking notes or in your Bible, please underline, if anyone. We're going to come back to that in a second. It's absolutely foundational for us. If anyone cleanses himself from these things. What are these things that Paul is imploring young Timothy? About our formal life, about the pictures that used to be, about how we talk about in Riverside. There's a dead carcass that used to be my life. And if you rid yourself of those things, look at what will happen. You will become a vessel of honor, 
sanctified, meaning sanctified means sanctification. It's, it's that moment where there is, in that salvific moment, there is a moment where you and I respond back to Jesus and we become immediately adopted into the family, but sanctification is our discipleship process where we begin to take on more and more the image of Jesus Christ and look at what it says to be useful to the master. Prepared for every good work. That word, everyone, uh, that word right there where it says, anyone who cleanses himself. Now, pause on that for a second. In Greek, that word, anyone, means anyone. (laughs) Anyone that cleanses himself turns away from their former life and pursues the life that God has for them. God says that they will become a a vessel of honor, sanctified, called out for a special purpose. That means anybody. That means everybody. Now, here's what I'm afraid of. Friends online, friends here in the house this morning, here is what I'm afraid of. It's, It's almost unimaginable that we just glance over it. We glance over the fact that God himself says anybody who forgets what's behind them and pushes forward will become a vessel of honor sanctified and holy with a special purpose in my hands now the truth is i showed you three or four kind of funny pictures from my past but the honest to god truth is i have a whole lot of pictures up there that i could have put up there that were really embarrassing. Photos that were really, really dark. Photos that I'm really embarrassed about and I do not want you to see. I have those and you have those. And yet Paul writes to young Timothy that says, if you are going to follow Christ Jesus, if you are going to become a a person that moves in the direction of Jesus, you have to forget about what's behind you because anybody who turns can be useful to the master. And I'm afraid that so many of us, if you've been around church a while, we glance over the fact that that is an invitation for you. It's an invitation for us this morning. Anyone, despite what you have done, despite what has been done to you, despite the the battle that is raging in your mind right now as you walk in those doors, despite your addiction, despite the private part of your life that you don't want to talk about, if there is a turning, God says he will sanctify you, make you holy and blameless, useful to the master. Now, The second part of this passage says that God, through Paul, says you can be useful. Did you hear what God says to you? You can be useful. Riverside, you can be useful. Those that are joining us online, you can be useful to the master. You can be useful to God. Do you understand the reality, the gravity of what Paul is writing about? The God of the universe, the resurrected Savior of the world has said, you can be useful. You can be useful to me, meaning useful. 
when somebody is praying because Christ lives in you, you are the answer to their prayer. You can be useful, meaning that God has a purpose and a destiny for your life. You're not just wandering and flailing around, but you will be useful to God for his glory, for your purpose. It is unbelievable, it's unfathomable for you and I to think that my life in his hands, God says, I will be useful to him. That should, that should destroy us. That should wreck our lives. It is the most, friends, it is the most humbling statement to believe that when God looks at you in your life, that he says, you are useful to me. Now, the opposite of useful is useless. Now, you know I couldn't get away from it, but Romans 8.1 says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who belong in Christ Jesus. Condemnation means useless, unfit for use. And the enemy loves to whisper in his native tongues the lie to you and to me. Who do you think you are? I see all the pictures of your past. I see all of the mistakes, the ones, you, the ones that happened to you and the ones you chose. Just who do you think you are? You are condemned. You are unfit for use. Condemned is a building term. It's the idea when a foreman shows up to the job site and he looks at the building, he looks at the project, he goes and he walks around and he examines it and he says, this building is unfit for use. And he slaps a big condemned sign over it. And that's what the enemy loves to do to you and I. To whisper into our ear, unfit for use, condemned. And what Paul writes young Timothy is, he says this, yes, I need you to understand this. The enemy only deals in half-truths. He loves to come and tell us the truth according to us. He speaks to the package and not the product. He speaks to the outside of our lives and not the interior work of who Jesus Christ is. It is the difference between sin versus sinner. Uh, if you are a follower of Christ Jesus and you place your hand, your life, and, and you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you no longer are a sinner, although you may trip and fall and have uh, sin in your life, your identity has fundamentally shifted. Sinner is who you are, sin is what I struggle with. I may trip and fall, although I am running, I may trip and fall, my trip and fall does not determine my identity. And the enemy loves to come in and says, let me remind you just of who you are, John. You are where you blew it. You are your failures. You are where you missed the mark. You are where you tripped and fell. You are what you struggle with. And it's fundamentally, friends, I need to tell you here and online, it's anti-gospel. It is not the gospel message of Jesus Christ. The kindness of God looks at that same vessel that the enemy says, unfit for use. And Jesus says, just surrender. All of me for all of you. That is the only bet. That is the only deal. I don't want 90% of you. I don't want 95%. I don't want all of it. But that one tucked off area, I want it all. 
in the same vessel that the enemy looks at, it says, unfit for use, Jesus Christ looks at and says, that place is fit for a king. And he comes and he takes up residency inside of us so that it is no longer I who live, but Jesus Christ who lives inside of me. So I'm not becoming a better version of myself, but I'm literally becoming brand new. Now, Paul says this. He says at the very end, prepared for every good work. That idea is, uh, another way to say that is, God has prepared in advance. Um, we sang it this morning, that, that what the enemy meant for your destruction, for your demise, for your downfall, in God's hand there is a shift that takes plan where the destruction of the enemy was upon you. Christ can take and redeem those things in your life for his glory and for your purpose prepared in advance. That means all of the pictures that I could not show you, all of the damage, all of the pain, all of the suffering that has been part of my life that was meant to take me out, Jesus Christ redeems those things for his glory and for my good. It is unbelievable to think about. But here's the nuance I want you to consider this morning. Is when we look back if you, at those pictures in our lives, we have, to get, we have to land in this place that each and every single one of us is walking on a path. And that path is literally heading somewhere. The direction you're heading will always determine the destination that you're going. The direction you're heading will determine the destination that you end up at. Now, it's not, here's the, here's the nuance of that. It's not your feelings. It's not your emotions. It's not even your values that determine your direction. Because even my values will, uh, I'll rebel against. But it's where have I set my eye on and what direction am I running in? And you know this to be true too. If uh, this last weekend I got the opportunity to go fishing with some really good friends down in uh, um, Flower Bluff down the Corpus Christi, Christi area. Now imagine this. Imagine that me and my bride were packing up all of our fishing, my fishing stuff, not hers. If we were packing up my, my fishing stuff, loading the car, I got Jimmy Buffett music on, I got my fishing stuff and gear, and I hit 35, and I decided to turn left and go north. I could have had my discipleship group, my life group, praying for me, encouraging me. Go, John, you're going to have a great time this weekend. I'm so excited for you. But if the direction of my life turns north and I head towards Austin, I don't care what your intentions are. I don't care what kind of feelings you are. 35 North does not go to Corpus Christi. Because your direction you run determines the destination that you end up at. And you, Riverside, are called in the direction of Jesus Christ. Plain and simple. That you, the, the trajectory of your life, ends at one place in one place only. And that is intimacy with Jesus. That is the only place. And I don't care what you mean to happen. I don't care what you feel to happen. I don't even care about your values. It does not matter if you are not walking after him. It does not matter. And that is a bold statement. But you have to understand the path principle. What direction you head in will determine the, the destination you end up in. 
The direction of your life determines the destination you end up in. So my question for you to consider this morning, is the destination that you're heading towards worth it? Maybe a better question is, are you becoming the person that God has intended you to become? This morning, this morning, I've asked my bride to come up and to talk about this idea of, of how do we become a one-thing person? How do we become somebody that pursues Jesus relentlessly as what Paul says? He says, anybody, anybody that turns can be useful to the master. I want you to hear what it looks like to turn and to be useful for the master. And so would you please welcome my bride up this morning. Thanks, man. What did I, there it is. I was looking for you. All right. We're six feet. Yes, we're six feet. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right, well, there you go. Um, so we've, we've talked about some, actually, is it on? Let me see. Hello, can yeah, you hear me? Yeah, good. We've talked about some, actually, some pretty sig- significant things. Um, this reality that, that Paul tells Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, you can be useful to me. So how does that reality actually impact your life? What does it mean? How do you live with the reality that God says that you are useful to him? It's good. Um, so about four years ago, many of you know my story, but about four years ago, God really woke me up. And um, the revelation that I had was, God said, Christy, I'm not here for you. You're here for me. And it was profound. And I said, what does that mean? And I began to, to just get hungry for the word because even though I knew a bunch of stories, I didn't really know him. We can read the Bible and we could read text, but unless we get face to face with him and say, reveal yourself to me, transformation doesn't happen. And so I got before him and I said, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, this is a game changer. You're not here for me, I'm here for you. So what does that mean? What does it look like to wake up in you? What does it look like to do the dishes with you? What does it look like to go to bed with you? If Jesus, if I'm to live my life through Jesus, what does it look like to partner with Holy Spirit so that every moment of every day is a surrendered life to where I am actually the embodiment of Christ in the earth. We just sang a song and it said, cover this land. And the Lord said, do you know what that means? And I said, what? And he said, that means surrendered lives everywhere. That's what it means to cover this land. Like we, it's full surrender, like John said. It's a life for a life. And we live in a world and in a culture where we drive through, I go to Apollo's Coffee, we drive through coffee and we expect that coffee person to make our coffee just how we want it. We get on the road and we expect everybody around us to be mindful of us. And we live so self-centered and we don't even realize it. And then we incorporate Jesus in and we say, God, be with me in my day. And we don't realize it's, it's his day. It's not him being with us in our day, it's his day. And so I began to wake up in the morning and the first thing I began to do is go, this is the day that you have made. This is the day that you've made. 
I didn't make it. It's your breath in my lungs. It's your breath. Everything belongs to you. Everything. Everything. So God, before my feet hit this floor, I give my whole life to you. Every part of me. Whatever you want to do today, do it in me today. God, give me words for people. Highlight people. When I drive through Apollo's Coffee, I'm looking at that sweet, precious girl as worthy of the blood of Jesus, and she doesn't have to make my coffee right, but you know what? Even though she's giving me something, she's going to get Jesus. Because everywhere we go, we get this privilege and this honor to represent him. And we will never walk that out until we first deny ourselves and give him all of us. Yeah. So talk about that idea of, okay, so you talked about, you had this revelation of, I woke up one morning and I thought, he's not here for me, but I'm here for him. So how did you begin to take steps with that reality of what does it mean for my life to be useful to him? Like, how, how did that begin to, to get inside of you where it become, because I'm sure it wasn't comfortable at normal at first, but when did it start to be a life of joy and fun and adventurous and where it, the awkward stopped becoming awkward and it became normal for you? Talk about that process. That's good. It um, was good. So that, <laughs> you're so cute. So, um, <laughs> I had a radical transformation. I uh, was a drug addict and an alcoholic. I've been sober 13 years now. Um, but I had a radical transformation four years ago, and it was like, uh, I, I can't even explain it, and that's not the point of today. But when the Lord opened my eyes, and I saw him for who he really was, that he wanted to restore, and I had I was so angry, and I thought that he was the cause of the destruction in the earth, because if, if anybody could save it and heal it, it was him, and he wasn't doing anything the way that I saw. And so when the Lord woke me up, he, I began to ask him, how do you see the world? I, my perception of you is way off. How do you see the world? Like, I want your motive. I want your heart. If I'm brand new, I want, if Jesus lives inside of me, and the kingdom of God is inside of me. That, what does that mean? And I think what we do is we sit and we read scripture and to check off. And yes, I'm not saying it's not good to not have a Bible study. But when we don't take that word personal and become, the point of the word is to become it. And so I would get with the Lord and go, you don't want to just do this in me. You don't want to just do this in me. And I was listening to people that I was uh, they talk about praying for healing and, and watching lives be transformed. And I, I remember I told the Lord, I got on my knees in the office one morning and I said, Lord, I will give you my whole life. I will do whatever you say. I will be obedient because I believe what you did in me, you want to do in everybody that I come in contact with. And so I'll do it scared. And so I began to um, wake up, like I said, every morning I wake up before I hit the floor. God, thank you for today. I am yours. I'm fully yours. I cannot wait to walk out the door because there's a world that's waiting for what's inside of me. And I would look at myself in the mirror and I would say, the world's waiting for you. Let's go. And so I would, I, I would, I learned how to, when I'm doing the dishes, the Lord would, he would, we have this thing, he would just go, hey, and I'd go, hey. Because things, you know, if we do all things unto the Lord, he began to show me that even doing the dishes, he's there. And even raising my kids, he's there. And so I began to more and more and more, not just have a quiet time and go about my day, because he's in all of the day. 
but it was learning how to in every moment, whether it was dishes or laundry or walking the dog, every step, Corinthians 9, 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says, every athlete trains with intention. And we're called to train with intention, like he's not shadow boxing, every purpose. So when I get up and I go to the dishwasher, I go to the laundry or I go to work or I go down the road, it's with purpose. And that purpose is thinking for the kingdom. It's not thinking for Christy. I'm, I should be my last thought, not my first. And so God began to show me and highlight people. And I didn't know. Um, I remember chasing somebody around HEB for an hour. And John was calling because he's like, girl, you've been gone four hours. And I'm like, babe, I chased her for an hour. And I finally walked up and I said, do you have a brother named Tom? She's like, no. I said, oh, okay, sorry, Jesus loves you. But I would start that way, and I would make myself do it scared, and I would, I would, I would get out of my car and go to HEB or Target or wherever, and I would first I would just get real quiet in my heart, and I would say, you want to do something in there today. I'm not going to go and bust my way to get my cart first and get, go to be the first in the, the parking space and think for me, which is what a lot of us do. I said, I'm going to wait, and I'm going to pause, and if there's a line to get a cart, I'm going to wait. And I'm going to be the last to get my card. And I just got real quiet. And I said, you want to do something radical in this store? And I'm telling you what, I'm with you. Whatever you want to do, I'll say whatever you say. And I'll do whatever you do. And I'm here. And I began to take more risk and take more risk. And I've had the amazing privilege of holding crying people and uh, and telling them about the gospel. So if someone were to say, but that's not who I am, or I'm not comfortable doing those things, what would you say? You really, can I, no, yes? Be thoughtful. <laughs> He's called the comforter for a reason. He's called the comforter for a reason. I think a lot of people go, well, that's just Christy, and I just am here to tell you, no, it's not just Christy, because the spirit that raised God from the dead is actually inside of you, and it's a spirit of boldness, and it's a spirit of courageousness, and sometimes in taking the risk, the spirit meets you in that place, and, and something supernatural happens inside of you. And I'm here to tell every single one of you that there's ways that you can love. It doesn't, I'm going to share a testimony at the end that's profound. I mean, I, I, I was like, holy cow, how did that just happen? But there's simple ways um, that you can love people. And it, it happens when we sit and we come to church and we sing holy, 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 and then go to a restaurant and expect the waitress in front of us where we don't even look up when she's talking to us. Every person, guys, every person. If you go thinking, they're not here to serve me, I'm here to serve them. Even though they bring my food, who cares if it's cold? There's a higher value in that moment than a hot plate and a hot meal. The higher value is the kingdom in her and seeing her. And so there's ways that when, when somebody comes to the table, I, people make fun of me because I'm overly like, hi, oh my goodness, you're amazing. You're amazing. Thank you so much. And people are like, uh... You're, you're welcome. You're, I just want to tell you God loves you. You're just, you're precious. God loves you so much. You're amazing. And it, it takes people back. I was pulling through Apollo's a couple weeks ago, and this sweet girl came to the window, and she said, I said, oh my gosh, I haven't seen you. You're new. And she said, I am. Oh my goodness. And I'm so sorry if your coffee tastes funny. I just, oh. And I realized, what are we doing? And I looked at her, and I said, well, it's a good day for you, sister because I'm not here for you to make me the best cup of coffee for me, but I'm here to tell you how much Jesus loves you. And I'm just grateful you're making my coffee and whatever it tastes like, I'm going to drink it with joy. God bless you. And she looked at me and she said, 
Huh? I said, yeah, you're amazing. Jesus loves you. Holding a door for an elderly person. At Bill Miller, we're at the window because it's COVID, and this man is trying. He grabs his stuff, and he has all of these pins on him that are against a political party. I hate this. I, and most of us go, well, I'm not, right? He's worth the blood of Jesus. And so he's got all his food, and he's trying to maneuver his door. I put my stuff down on the floor, my food. I said, oh, my goodness, what are you doing? Let me get that door. I crank open his door, and now he's maneuvering the food to try to put it in the back seat. I said, you give me that plate? He looks up at me with a tear. I don't understand. Opening his door. The world doesn't understand that. Doesn't understand a life laid down. And I said, well, some, somebody opened the door for me, and so I'll always open the door for someone else. And I put his food in the back of his car and I looked at him in the, in the eye and I grabbed his arm in the middle of COVID and I said, Jesus loves you so much. Can I pray for you? See, all I had to do was open the door and then I get in there and I'm like, Whoa. God opens and then all of a sudden boldness comes in and God does for you what you can't do for yourself because he's so looking for people to partner with to manifest his nature in the earth. And I think it's important to say that boldness is not the absence of the fear or the anxiety. It's the willingness to go I'm always, through. I'm always a hinge scared. Yeah. I'm always a hinge scared, yeah. but, I, but I know that on the other side, like the obedience and the risk is so, it's, it's the most profound and beautiful thing. So we, uh, this is normal. It's, it's what we see in Timothy that says, anybody, anyone who gives me their full surrendered life can be useful to the master. Um, so tell me some stories. Oh what, is that, what does that mean? Where have you seen God? I'm just going to tell my favorite one because this, this, this uh, music up here is, I'm like, that means it's over. I'm like, <laughs> what? No, it's just setting the mood <laughs> for you, babe. <laughs> so it's getting ready for the sword. Uh, so every step with intention. We have busy lives and there's so much coming against us and I'm just going to say right now, in light of the world and its mayhem, there's a constant, and his name is Jesus, and his kingdom is inside of me, and that's amazing. And so in the middle of corona and races, all this stuff, there's a kingdom that I get to bring forth in the middle of all of that. So I'm going to take the dog. This is for that lovely fishing trip we went on. Um, I'm taking the dog to my in-laws. He's in the back seat. Uh, and he's a nervous little guy, and he's kind of shaking in the very back. And I round the corner, 281-1604, and as I round the corner, um, I'm always aware there's that Whataburger and that Sonic, there's usually somebody standing there, a homeless somebody standing there. And the week before, I had pulled over, and I had stopped, and I had this crazy encounter, crazy encounter with this precious man that didn't have a home. And so I passed by again today, and I'm like, is that Nicholas? If it's Nicholas, I'm not, I may not stop, but I passed by. And, you know, i got to get the dog to my in-laws. And we're like, I've got a lot to do. We do that. I have a lot to do. And all of a sudden, I just feel this weightiness in my heart. And the Lord says, but I want to do something. I said, you better believe it. So I turn around on that 281 and 1604. And I, I come through. Um, I'm like, Lord, Whataburger or Sonic, I, I don't have cash. And so I'm like, I'm not going to show up and not give a word and not something. And so I pull through Sonic and I get him food. 
And I go back around um, to where I, because I like to pull them to the side so that we can have a conversation so I'm not just a handoff. So I go into the Whataburger parking lot and I say, sir, sir. And he comes running as best he can. He's kind of hobbling. He comes over. And I looked at him and I said, what is your name? And he told me a long list of names, but the first two was Mark Anthony. I said, Mark Anthony, I'm going to give you your food, but first you have to hear what I have to say, okay? He said, yes, ma'am. And I said, Jesus loves you so much. He goes, I know, I know. I said, no, you don't know. You don't know. I said, do you know you are worth the blood of Jesus? And I told him the gospel in about two minutes. I told him how much Jesus loves him and that he came down because of, of this Mark Anthony. He came for you. And I said, I don't know how you ended up here in this place. I don't know the trajectory of your life that has led you to here, but I'm here to tell you that somebody that has walked out of addiction and depression and anxiety and even suicide is somebody that's walked out of that because God reached in, saw me, and pulled me out. Today, salvation has come to your house, young man. And he looked at me. Tears began to flow out of his eyes. He grabbed his hanky, and he starts wiping continuously. I said, listen to me right now. I'm going to pray for you. Give me your hand. He gave me his hand. And I began to pray for his life. Not much longer after, somebody's laying on their horn. Because we're in their way. I said, Mark Anthony, we're going to move up just a little bit because we're not finished, okay? He goes, okay. So I move my car up. He moves up. This guy moves on. And after, after I prayed, I said, I'm not going to give you your water. I'm just listening. When we're thinking for us, we can't hear him. And I'm listening. God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Am I, is this it? And I said, let me tell you something, Mark Anthony. It's very simple. Do you know Jesus? He said, I said, it's very simple. When you get alone with him, you get on your knees. And you give your whole life because it's a life for a life. It's not about God coming to make your day better or how he's going to pull you through something. It's your life. You give your whole life. And in the middle of that busy intersection, he got on his knees at my car. As believers, we struggle to get on our knees in a church. He got on his knees in front of the world. And he lifted his hands. And I said, And I panicked on the inside, and then I thought, be cool, just be cool. And automatically, my hand reached up out over my car, and I put my hand on his head, and I said, Father, I thank you when this man stands up. He's a brand new man. When this man stands up, every addiction is falling off of him. Every form of mental illness is coming out of him. And I began to bless him, and when he stood up, that hanky, he just tried to wipe his eyes. And I said, salvation's come to your house today. I said, do you know what, Mark Anthony, you get to do? And he said, what? I said, tell everybody. Do you know that that mark, that moment for him, you know, some people say, well, they're going to do this with their life and that with, Jesus would have stopped. It's as if a man scatters seed. So we scatter seed. We scatter seed. We scatter seed. Like Jason taught farming as if a man scattered seed, what would it look like every day to wake up and you're your last thought? 
Where am I going to scatter seed in the grocery store? Where am I going to scatter seed in my home? How am I going to respond to my kids and my husband? Everything gets to change. But it will never change with you at the center. It can't. My precious nine-year-old, we're, we're coming to church this morning and she's mad. She's crying. Mama, we have to go every day. We she's so upset. And I said, Maggie, who are you thinking for right now? Mama, I don't want to hear it. I said, Maggie, who are you thinking for right now? Mama, I'm thinking for me. And she cries another 45 minutes. And the Lord said, do you see the picture of thinking for you? And I bent down and I said, the rest of your life, you will have these tears if you continue to think for you because you're not made for you. You're made for him. Your life is for him. And it was a beautiful picture of what happens when we think for ourselves. We live in mayhem and animosity and confusion because it's putting metal in a microwave. You weren't intended for you. You were intended for him. So this morning, uh, this is what we're going to do. You can stay, babe. Yeah. Um, Paul says, if anyone, if anyone, that is you, that is an invitation from God himself, cleanses himself, turns away from a me-centered, me-focused life, leaves the old pictures behind, and turns and becomes a one thing person he will sanctify you he, and you will become useful to the master and there's great joy and delight in that and so this morning we're just going to pray for that and we're going to close by singing one song this morning and I just want to remind you Riverside I want to encourage you I want to poke you this morning and tell you exactly what Christy said this morning you were never intended for you. You don't get the opportunity to wake up and say, God, God, would you be a part of my life? It's, God, I want to be a part of your life. You are at the center. You are the direction I am headed, and nothing else will satisfy. That is a real invitation and opportunity for us this morning to experience this radical shift in our life to become useful to the master. So I'm going to invite you to do this this morning. I'm going to invite you to stand to put your if if you're at home, I would invite you to join us as well. But if that is you, if that describes you, if you want the more, if you have leaned into this idea of, man, I wake up a lot and I think a lot for myself. And I ask God to be part of my life. But there's a shift where the new direction is heading in the destination of Jesus. I'm going to ask you just to have the posture of receiving. And we're going to pray. And then we're going to close by singing that chorus again. And so I'm going to ask Christy to pray for us this morning. But if that is you, just hold your hands up online, at home, here in the house. Let's receive this morning. So, Father, would you shake the depths of us? The deep would cry out to deep. 
The earth is groaning for the sons of man to cover, I mean, for the sons of God to cover the land. I pray right now for radical boldness. For radical boldness. I thank you, God, right now for fire in every single one of us. God, that we would, that we would come to the end of ourselves. That we would say, I have lived for me long enough. It is the worst life possible because I wasn't intended for me. I was intended for you. God, I pray for revelation. I pray for eyes to see, ears to hear. And God, I pray for a body that walks out in humility, that gets on their knees before you like Mark Anthony did that is unashamed of the gospel, that gets on their knees and says, you can have all of me. Every moment, even when I'm doing the dishes and it feels so tedious, God, let that
because our eyes are on Jesus. That's the only thing we're, uh, that we're after. It's after you, Jesus. After you. And all these things shall be added. All of them. So God, may your name be lifted high, not just in this house, but in this time. You're not here to wipe away what's happening in the world. You're here and your kingdom has moved inside of us so that we can walk in this world in the middle of this and be the solution at your heart in the earth in the middle of it. We crying for revival. Revival's here. It's in every one of us. He came. Thank you that it's in us. Thank you that it's in our breath. It's in front of us. The kingdom's here. God, teach us how to partner with you. Teach us how to walk with you everywhere we go and be obedient. Thank you for this place. I thank you that it's good soil. Thank you, God, that this house will be a house known as people that are crazy for Jesus. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.